0: Off and running. Welcome to the Krug Show, everybody. Probably should scoot up a little bit. (laughs) Got a new camera angle. The Krug Show brought to you by Pig and a Pickle. Check out Pig and a Pickle. Uh, They're open seven days a week in Emeryville and Cordo Madera from 11 a.m. till 8 p.m. or until they run out. Pig and a pickle, the best barbecue in all of Northern California. Also, thanks to Marin Autoglass. And this month, we have two special sponsors who uh, paid for us to go to Las Vegas. And we definitely want to shout them out as well. Um, But I want to make sure I shout them out correctly because I have it all written down. All right, here we go. Sharp Corners Sports sports Cards and Collectibles. They're at 205 Cypress Avenue in Pacific Grove, California. Give Anthony Catania a call, 831 521 5264. And we're also brought to you by Valley Hill Roofing.net, 209 481 6851. The website links for both companies will be in the description. And then, of course, Guy Haberman joins us. On this uh, Wednesday, February the 14th, better known, guys, as <clears throat> Valentine's Day. Happy um, Valentine's
1: Day, Larry.
0: So if, if if I'm telling you this and this is surprising you, uh, yes, you're early in your Valentine's Day. It's only 9.09 a.m. You can still make the claim that, oh, Yo, you knew all about it. You Are you kidding me? I had this thing covered. Um, you know, like uh, like the Le- Sneed on Super Bowl Sunday. I got this thing covered. Um, there you go. There you you've been so advised. Uh go. and I say that because that t- reminds me to myself when this stream is over, get your ass moving. All right, there you go. Uh guy, good to see you, man. How are you?
1: Good to see you, Larry. Uh, this is streaming on uh, my channel as well. So for everybody there, uh, hey, and everybody here, hey, it's great to see you. We didn't talk last week. I thought we'd run into each other in Vegas. I ran into just about everybody in Vegas. I was very impressed that uh, Larry found good internet in Vegas. It was hard to come by. It was expensive to get good internet. But, uh, Larry, you posted up, and, and you found uh, you found a signal. So uh, good for you and Kev. Congratulations to you guys. It was a fun week. Um uh Valentine's Day I haven't celebrated one in uh my wife and I uh met in college in 2004 shortly after she broke up with somebody around Valentine's Day. So Valentine's really? Day is very good to me. I'm a big Valentine's Day fan but uh you know not for the reasons uh not for gift-giving purposes.
0: You're um, a Valentine's Day rebound rebound camp. That's right.
1: Exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, it's uh, February fourteenth. Always sneaks up on me because it's uh, it, it's always a surprise. Everything's always a surprise. dates are always a surprise to me. Larry holidays always sneak up on me. I know. But um, anyway, it's good to see you,
0: um, man. Oh, I, I wanted
1: Ike. I got a sandwich from Ike when I was in Vegas. There you go.
0: Ike paid for my room in Vegas. Thank you, Ike. Uh, go check out Ike's sandwiches. The best in the biz. Ike is a is a class act. And and he said, you know what. Krug, you want to stay at the Strata, you, it's on me. And Is I said, nice you know out? what? Uh, it was pretty nice, actually. I liked it. It was at the other end of the strip. I I, I would say the, uh, you know, some of the outside area around there was not, because you're at the very end of the strip on the other end. So it's a little dicey away from behind. Uh, behind the strata, but the strata was perfectly nice. And, uh, we had a great, a great week long stay there courtesy of Ike sandwiches. And thank you to Ike. Um,
1: I say one more thing, Larry, before we get yeah. into some, some talk. Did sure. You, I was reading, uh, the other, I'm here to give all your sponsors love. Did you see pig in a pickle? Got a shout out in, in Ethan Strauss's latest Substack article about Pat McAfee and Bill Simmons. Uh-huh. And he wrote. He wrote about you. He said. He said he watches you, your streams, and he. It was. A, I'm not going to do the whole analogy here, but he was making an analogy about uh, a positive analogy uh, about Pat McAfee and his sponsors and and Larry Kruger and Pig and a Pickle. So, wow. I'll
0: send, you a,
1: I'll send you a screenshot, but good for Pig yes.
0: Uh, Ethan uh, contacted me last week, and we're we're going to try to do something this week to. Uh, to stream together and he said he's a fan of the show i said i appreciate it and yeah. uh he he said i saw steve young and uh that was a great interview and this and that he's i'm like thank you very much um and of course i i, I think of ethan as the guy who kind of brought kevin kevin durant to his twitter knees uh they went back and forth on twitter a couple times and it seemed like durant always always uh battling Ethan Sherwood Strauss. So, is he just is he just uh, Ethan Strauss now? Has he gotten rid of the Sherwood?
1: Uh, Ethan Strauss is what it says on on his byline, but then Sherwood I think is in the logo. So, look
0: at that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ethan. Um, all right, what did you think of the game? Why, uh, why do I bury the lead any more than we have to here? Um, obviously, it was a bitter defeat for the 49ers. There's lots of criticism of. Shanahan and others. Uh, since we've gotten some inf- interesting information in the in the last uh, <clears throat> twenty four to forty eight hours about about different individuals in the game, everything from Eric Armstead was playing with a torn meniscus to Javon Hargrave was playing with a fractured thumb, um, and you hear these things late in the late in the. Uh, you know when the game when the games are actually over, the truth comes out, and then um, also John Feliciano, um, you know, made made it clear that it wasn't Colton McKivitz who blew the block on Chris Jones uh, on Twitter, which then made Spencer Burford go, "Hey, thanks, John," and then John apologized and said, "You know, I whatever he said," but he didn't, you know, obviously, he didn't take it back. Um, it was obviously Burford's mistake there. And Juice said he didn't know about the overtime rules, and then 24 hours later said, "You know what? I misspoke. I actually did know about the rules." Um, what do you think? What What's your takeaway from the loss? It was a tough loss.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it only gets more painful uh, as time passes, which is why uh, talking about it is healthy. Uh, you know, getting to watch, getting to watch it over again, getting to watch the all 22 knowing what every moment means. I thought it was pretty clear immediately after the game. And I said it that the two third and fours were like though of all the big plays and all the big moments, those were the two plays in the big moments, third and fourth, the two minute warning third and four in overtime, both resulted in field goals, which were okay at the time, but ultimately not good enough to win. And, um, you know, those were moments where Steve Spagnolo won and Kyle Shanahan and his offense lost. Um, and, I think they, they for me, the big picture of what this offseason about is about and the big picture of what it takes for the Forty Ladders to win a Super Bowl are um, uh, are exemplified by those two mo- those two moments to me will represent represent exactly uh, where I think one of the big areas where they need to get a little bit better to to be able to win a Super Bowl. And I think they also represent what some of the differences between these two teams were. And to me, the headline difference was Steve Spagnuolo wasn't just going up against Kyle, but he's going up against Brock. And Steve Wilkes isn't just going up against Andy Reid. He's going up against Mahomes. And Spagnuolo was superior to Wilkes, and Mahomes is superior to Purdy. And, um, you know, I think ultimately that, that, th- that was the difference in this game. Now, I do think Brock is, and I've said for a while, and I still believe after watching the Super Bowl, that Brock Purdy's good enough to win a Super Bowl. Brock Purdy's 24 years old. Steve, uh, Steve Spagnuolo's been coaching defense in the NFL since the same year Brock Purdy was born, 1999. And my hope is that if they are in that situation again, that Brock and Kyle, but Brock, right? Ultimately, the, the quarterback is the one that has to beat the Blitz. That Brock will be able to identify or more quickly throw the ball accurately in that spot because so many big games come down to those situations. This game came down to that situation for the Niners on offense. And it came down to that situation when the chiefs were on offense, a pressure situation. Why does the chiefs blitz seem to always create the problems and the Niners blitz created no problems in the second half? Um, Well, I think the quarterback gets a lot of credit for that. And Patrick Mahomes has seen a lot more football than Brock Purdy has. So if Brock has the the mental aptitude, the intellect that I think um, everybody says that he does, that it appears that he does, then he'll get better there. And I think that's a reason to be optimistic, but you know, that's where he'll have to get better. Cause there are just other physical things that, that won't change, but I think that can change for him. And so that's why I feel pretty optimistic about Brock um, coming out of the Super Bowl. So, it, you know, that's like my, the big picture coming out of it. And then there's a million little plays that I've I'd love to, somebody said to me on Monday, they were like, why are we nitpicking? I'm like, what, what do you mean? Why, why, why wouldn't we be nitpicking this? That's what this <laughs> right. is. Right. They're nitpicking. I promise you that. So, um, you know, I just, uh, I watched the game, the TV copy again last night, just to really feel the whole thing. And it was, you know, I'm a big, um, it's better to have loved and lost to have never loved it all. It's the journey, not the destination. All those things I've said a lot this year and over the years, it, it, some people may not want to hear it right now. It was a great game. I thought it was an awesome game. I wished we'd gone to the sixth quarter of the game and kept that thing going. I didn't want it to end. I mean, I did want it to end on fourth and one for the Niners, but I, I also I th- I loved the game, Larry. Like Not knowing the result of it, I really, really... I was just watching that game feeling like this is what we... This is the all of the stuff we do. To quote, to to borrow from Bill Parcells, this is why you lift all them weights, like all of the streaming, Larry, all of the driving, all of the interviewing, all of the DMing, all of the Instagramming, all of the grinding in the trenches. It's so you can watch and be invested in a game like that, and it's just honestly, this is going to sound crazy. This is the last thing I'll say before I stop this ramble, I get a <laughs> I get a little teary thinking about the Super Bowl. Not the 49ers Chief Super Bowl, but it's just the culmination of like everything that anyone playing the sport, watching the sport, talking about the sport, ever dreamed of being a part of as an eight-year-old. And um, when I interviewed uh, uh, – who was I talking to last week at Niners Availability? Uh, Brandon Allen. And I said, Brandon, what what does it feel like? He's been in two Super Bowls. This was his third. What does it feel like when the F-16s fly overhead? Now obviously this is a dome. But he's like, yeah, I just I got kind of teary and goosebumpy just thinking about it. Because it's just I don't know, man. It's like what we've always what everyone's always wanted to be a part of. So anyway, I I did love the game. I did love
0: it. No, game. I I enjoyed it as well. It just it was, you know, it's you wanna see the Niners climb to the top of the mountain and it just Oh, it just seems so elusive. And then you know, all the work and all the effort and all the, you know, the drafting and the staying healthy and mini camp and training camp and, you know, navigating through the season and all to get back to have an opportunity to do that again and then to fall short. It makes you wonder, you know, how many times can they keep climbing this hill and then. Uh, the boulder roll, rolls back down. Whoever the uh, the reference that is to, I forget, uh, the 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 character who did that. But um, I mean, it's just a frustrating thing. It's just a very frustrating thing. What did you think of Shanahan's decision to uh, you know an overtime that he's had to answer for that so many people have criticized him for? He basically came out and said. You know what? We wanted to make sure that we didn't get the ball first or second, but third, which meant that you had to go first. Um I, I I I really don't like that strategy. I would have to me the strategy in the NFL postseason overtime is clearly go second. Go second. But um what'd you think?
1: Well I didn't like the explanation of going third. That right. that I did not like. Um Especially when you know... Now, maybe his logic is like, look at all the first quarters we play. We're always... Like, there's always two... Th- like, if you look at most... I don't know what the number would be if we looked at 17 Niner games. My guess is, of the 17 games, 13 or 12 times, the third possession occurred as the first quarter was ending. Like, it felt like every Niner game, the third possession of the game would be happening as the first quarter's ending. Um, maybe that number's too high, that percentage, but... I didn't like that logic. Now, in the moment, I thought it was a fine decision because of how many plays their defense had just been on the field for as Mahomes drove down on the down the field on them and just ran out of time or he might have scored a game winning touchdown in the other regulation. So that was my consideration. I thought that was his consideration. Um, but I think from a just from a straight logic standpoint, I, I don't see how you take moving forward. I, I don't think you can do it again. And just the logic of it understanding that both teams get the ball, even if you score a touchdown, you know, you, you, you got to take the football second. Um, now there, John and I had a discussion about, do you put a lot of pressure on Brock? If Mahomes has taken the ball, scored a touchdown and uh, then you get the ball and like on this drive, you have to win. And and the answer is, yeah, you do. I mean, there, there is a little more freedom to taking the ball first, I think, but the way their defense had just played, you, you know, Kansas City got in a field goal range like that. And do you want to keep a game going? Do you want to be in the third possession with Patrick Mahomes? I guess yeah, I, you yeah. pick the field goal to win the thing. But um to me, the the best argument for doing what he did was not the argument he made. I thought the best mm-hmm. argument for doing what he did was give your defense a rest. And I and I was okay with that in the moment. So I have to be honest about what I felt in the moment, but right. You know, knowing that Kansas City was going to go for two now, all those things. You know, I do wonder, Larry, did Kansas City use their two-point play for the touchdown? Was that going to be their two-point play? And they were like, well, we don't need the two-point play, so let's run it here for the touchdown. It was a great play. Yeah. It was a walk-in touchdown.
0: Well, and um, Mahomes was the best at that. You know, the best at open field decisions. I mean, they put him in this. If you watch Kansas City football this year, they put him in this spot a lot. Where it may not have been at the in the fourth quarter to win the win or lose the game, sometimes it was just a play that they wanted to convert a third down. Mahomes in space against one defender, and the defender's got to make a decision: do you go for the quarterback and he throws the ball? Do you defend the the receiver and he runs the ball? That's he's playing off of your decision, and he'll do it either way, and has done it either way. Um, and I think that you always got to play him to to Throw it, but then if you do, it's a very relatively easy throw. And as if you can't get your hand on it and deflect it, and sure enough, it was so um, frustrating. Now they're debating on on ESPN does Mahomes need a true number one receiver to complete the three? Pete, you know, that's the other thing. It felt like this was a great opportunity to miss because this was not a vintage Kansas City team, um, and this was arguably the best Niner team. So of the Shanahan era. So you were thinking, okay, maybe <clears throat> this is not their year. It's the Niners year. And I thought the Niners' defense played incredible in the first half. I mean, the way they brought so much energy, Chase Young, Greenlaw, Warner. Um, the Niners' defense looked on point in the first half of that game.
1: Yeah. They, the the not scoring a touchdown early in the game really felt like in the moment, even at halftime at 10 to three, it felt like, can you, are you going to play two more quarters where you get away with that? And the answer was no, you know, um, where you get away with not taking advantage of opportunities. You get an interception on the first possession of the second half, you're across midfield already and you don't convert that. Uh, That's, that's really tough, you know? So I, they, they missed a ton of opportunities. Kansas city makes mistakes too, but I don't know if there's such, uh, you know, I. it turns out there's probably no such thing as, I mean, Kansas City was vulnerable, but like the best Kansas City team to beat. If they've got Mahomes, they're always just going to have an advantage, period. They got Andy and Mahomes, they're just going to have an advantage. And so you've got to overcome that. And it's possible. The Niners, it was possible for them to overcome it. That's why I'm optimistic that they can do it. But, um, I don't know if there ever is going to be a Kansas City team you should have beaten or you could have beaten. It may be that we look back and this was the one. But I just think they're going to be around. They're just going to be in the mix so much um, for the next three, four, five years. You know,
0: Where do you see Brock Purdy improving his game?
1: I think it's got to be what I said. I think it's got to be making his whole thing is about being buttoned down making the right decisions at the right times. Because even though he can make plays outside of, and he does a above-average job of it, um, he's still not on the level of, I, I think his size comes into play a lot, more than his arm. And I guess they play into each other. But um, we see it a lot where he gets into a little bit of trouble in the pocket. And if he gets bumped, I've said it ad nauseum for several months now, because just you watch every snap, you see it. Two or three times a game, there's a ball that's not deflected but the throw is off just because he can't quite finish it because of his, I think because of his size. So I know he said maybe his arm can get a little bit stronger. I'm sure it can with a full off season. I don't think that means we're going to see any appreciable increase in, you know, it's not going to change their offense. If he suddenly, if he gets a full off season, that was arms a little stronger. It's not going to become Josh Allen's arm. So, you know, for me, it's about what were the issues on the, the, on those third and fours did Brock have the ability, how much ability does Brock have to adjust at the line? And does he need more? Can Kyle help him? Can Brock give Kyle any feedback about here's how maybe I can be better in your offense. Maybe we do some things that are non-traditional to you in terms of getting me on the move without play action. And, um, you know, I, I, think he's just, I think his brain's a pretty good computer. And it just needs more inputs, you know, and he got a lot of good, He got a lot of, if he's a, if he's like an AI learning machine, he got a lot of good AI learning, but he has to learn from it. You know, that's, that's, I think the biggest thing. I don't know what other areas you really, when he's, when he knows what to do, when he's on time, he's accurate. Like that's, and he knows what to do a lot, but you know, I think the whole thing is so predicated on him making the right decision early with protection.
0: He says a lot of the focus will be on improving his arm strength, his overall movement, and his mastery of the offense. Um, I just think overall, he's going to get a little bit stronger, a little bit more sudden, a little smarter within the offense. I think it's going to show in his mobility. He says, I think just physically, I think my arm strength and I always say mobility, but really like my shoulder mobility, my hips, just being able to move Mm -hmm. better. I feel like my rookie year, I was pretty tight. Then I had surgery. So my focus was on my arm. So I feel like I could just be a little bit more elusive. And stuff and how I move. And that's something that I want to get better at, which I think is smart. And then he said, just, and then just mentally within the playbook, I think year after year, getting better and more comfortable with the system and how Kyle's calling things and go back on film and look at the situations where I can learn from and be better in situational football. So those are all things that can add up and hopefully I can get better at, um, he, you know, I thought the guy played an incredible year, and even even in this game where they lost to Mahomes, they lost to Mahomes. But I didn't feel like man, Brock Purdy blew it or anything like that. Um, I just feel like you know, Kansas City made more plays, and and uh, the Niners have some weakness on their offensive line now. Um, the key play, one of the key plays, um, involved. It looked like um, Colton McKivitz getting beaten by by Chris Jones. It turns out, uh, as John Feliciano pointed out, that it was was not Colton McKivitz. It was Spencer Burford. And then uh, it's funny Feliciano had to say, "Man, I was hungover." You know that's why I tweeted that. But um, I don't really care about if he if he did that or not. Uh, as for as people are like, "Oh my God, Feliciano's got to go." Why? Because he actually said who's fault it was in a play. I mean, I think we're all big enough to uh, hear the truth. Um, then there's a story out today saying Feliciano said, or from yesterday, saying that, that Jalen Carter threatened him and his children with death during a game. I'm like, what? Jalen Carter plays for keeps, and there was some back and forth between what Hargrave and and uh, Jalen Carter um, had said to each other and this and that. Um as far, I'll, I'll say this, Larry,
1: really you know, players are much tougher than the rest of us when it comes to criticism because they get criticized by coaches every day and they are really honest with each other and their teammates. So, you know, I like, I think when a, when a guy criticizes, when a football player, it's, it's different when it's public. I didn't think Feliciano meant it as a shot at, he was just saying like, Hey, this is, and he's, he was not wrong. Right. Right. Um, I, it, I I could care less. I would in my Super Bowl if I'm a coach on Sunday nights. I'd be like one two three. Let's just stay off the internet for a week, fellas. Like that's there's no point in that. But
0: yeah, let's let let's let cooler heads prevail. Um, Shanahan was asked whether or not Steve Wilkes will be back. He said, "I expect all of our coaches to be back." Well, 49ers assistant head coach Anthony Lynn, uh, was announced just uh, a couple hours ago that he's following Adam Peters to Washington to be. Uh, the commander's run game coordinator, and you and John did a whole breakdown on Wilkes and probably some of the assistants. What what's your thoughts on Wilkes? Is he is he going to be back or do you think he'll move on to a, a different spot?
1: Yeah, I want to hear your ask you the same question. But uh, it seems like a pretty. I, I think he's gone, um, given how much disconnect it felt like there was when things got a little hairy um, after the Minnesota game. Shanahan's saying he shouldn't have done that. Wilkes has to come out and say, "I'd made the wrong call. Then they bring him down to the field kind of against his will. Then Shanahan uses the timeout in overtime because he doesn't like what the defense is doing, which is the head coach's prerogative, and starts screaming into the headset. It just seems like he would want to find a better match. Um, you know, there was there are there are personnel issues, too but it does feel to me like he won't be back. What's your feeling?
0: You know, it's funny. It's like um, there's been some some harsh words spoken, you know, and obviously he was in the booth, and he was called out of the booth, and he was on the sideline, and, um, you know, he had the zero blitz against Minnesota that la- allowed Jordan Addison to score a easy touchdown, and Shanahan, you could say, threw him under the bus. Um, I don't know. He basically just admitted that that was not a good call. So there was times where Wilkes seemingly had to kind of answer for things, and it's rare to hear coaches throw other coaches in any way negative stuff out there in the press. So that immediately makes you think, hmm. And then the timeout in the Super Bowl where it was pretty clear that, you know, Shanahan didn't like what was being called on defense and wanted to at least have more dialogue. He seemed he seemed kind of agitated at, you know, at the idea. Dialogue. <laughs> well, I mean I don't know what they ultimately went with, but it seemed like it was like you know, you could kind of see him barking something yeah. on the you know he gave that head coach barking on the headsets face that is so familiar to people who have seen head coaches barking on the headset, you're seemingly in the middle of an open, you know, sideline and you look kind of angry and you're kind of demonstratively talking to nobody in particular, something tells me that's going to your assistant coaches. So I don't know. I I, also, then I've looked at Steve Wilkes' football card as a coach and the guy in like 20 years has been in like 18 different jobs. So, you know, it's like, it's his normal thing to move. Um, so I don't know, uh, and yet they don't get any compensation unless he stays one more year, but I don't think that will be the overarching, you know, reason for do what, whatever they're going to do here. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've put out the Belichick thing as defensive coordinator. Um, I know lots of people are like scoffing at that and laughing at that, but I really believe bill probably would do it. And I believe the Niners would pay, pay the money to have him do it. So I don't know. I, I. He's out there. They've got six young DBs that all need to be developed correctly. He's the best developer of of defensive backfield talent there is. To me, it seems like a perfect marriage to, you know, now. I don't know, though, because maybe he doesn't want to play a wide nine. He probably doesn't want to play a wide nine. So I don't know. I'm not sure what's going to happen there. But if you said be a betting man, I would probably wager that Wilkes moves on.
1: Yeah, as would I. I. I'm with you on the Belichick thing. I think it's really unique. It feels like a pipe dream. So I you know, to a degree I understand why people react that way. But um I also think it's it's a little unique the way, you know, remember the way the forty nineers got Jimmy Garoppolo? Bill Belichick called the Niners out of the blue and apparently out of the goodness of his heart and said, Do you want Jimmy? You get the first shot at him. And they took him. There was really no I, – I, have you seen – has there been, maybe I forgot it, a clear reason why he chose the 49ers to well, beat I do, the quarterback to?
0: I do know that, that, you know, I mean, probably being in the other conference had something to do with it.
1: Okay. Setting Jimmy up with a good coach, maybe. Right trying to of, do
0: right by Jimmy, but also trying to do right by Kyle. I think Kyle and uh, Belichick are – you know, at the, at the very top of their fields, Belichick on the defensive side, Kyle on the offensive side. I'm, I know that Kyle told me once that every single week of the season that he spends time watching Belichick film and Patriot film. That's how high of regard he holds him as a defensive master, that he he's constantly watching Belichick and what he's doing defensively. So I mean I don't know I mean I, I you know d- defensively the Patriots were pretty damn good this year they were like seventh in the NFL in total defense I believe and the Niners were eighth so they were even despite the Niners having you know Bosa and all these guys the Patriots found a way to be a little bit better defensively um, I don't know I, I don't know what the I don't know what I'll say this people say well I can't picture Belichick being a defensive coordinator I can't either but I also can't see him. You know, chatting it up on TV doesn't seem like he, and I don't, I can't see him being a head coach this year and the league had seven or eight openings. It wasn't like there was like two spots open. The people at the time when I said it were like, he'll have his pick of any head coaching opening. Well, I don't know about, I don't know if that was really the case. And at the core, if you said to me, what does Bill Belichick really want to do? I think he just wants to be a defensive czar you know, uh, coordinator, defensive head coach. There's no cap to what you pay your coaches. You could pay them anything you want. So you don't have to disrespect him. People say, why would he take the second job? Well, what if the second job paid $10 million? You know what I mean? it might, you know, you, they can pay whatever they want to pay. Yeah, so
1: I, mean, I, I guess there's three hurdles, right? Would Jed York pay what it cost? I think the answer to that is yes. Would Kyle Shanahan, would any part of Kyle's ego resist having Belichick be the one that air quotes, put him over the top, right? You didn't win a super bowl till you hired Belichick as your DC. I think he'd rather just win a super bowl. Sure. And three, would, would Bill's ego allow him to do it? Because I do think to your point, I think there's definitely a part of bill that would be happy to just shut himself in a dark room, never do media availability except for once a week. He's terrible at it. And well, intentionally and, um, and just, and just, you know, script ball and, and coach ball. So, it it just feels kind of crazy, but I do think there's something to the relationship. You know, I remember several years ago, there was the article about, you know, five, the, the, the Broncos, the Broncos beat the Patriots and, um, Mike and Mike Shanahan and Bill Belichick are hanging out in Mike's office. Like Bill comes, I think Bill comes to Mike's office post game and Kyle is a kid and, and Mike kicks him out of the office. Like, all right, get out of here. Let me talk to Bill for a second. You know, and, um, you know, Bill's a guy who coached with his son on his staff. Like, I think Bill, Bill's a son of a coach. Like, I think there's an appreciation for Kyle that Bill has that might give that relationship a chance to work. Now, you're not going to tell Bill you're coming down to the field or you're going to the booth, and you're not going to call a timeout and scream at him. But that's fine. You'd rather not. It's Bill. You know, so I think anytime a head coach gives up a lot to become a coordinator, they give up a lot and they have to be mentally kind of ready to do that. But I, I, the one area I disagree with you, I do think bill would be good on television. I think I remember when they did the NFL 100 thing a few years ago, he took that thing over. He was so good. So because
0: sure. he wanted to, but that's, that's, to, yeah. and that was talking about former players. Ed
1: Reed. I was talking about Ed Reed.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if he wants to talk, frankly, at, you know about about players that he'll be you know especially if he plans on coming back in a year that's a like kind of a weird one the other one i was thinking is you know if you said to the 49ers what what's your pivot off of this well you gotta you gotta have a strong pivot i mean i don't know what you're gonna do off of this but you gotta have a strong pivot um you're not you know you've lost the Super Bowl i think you've got to do something significant um to kind of chart your new your new year and separate it from last year you know the, the the one thing with belichick and i i look at it this way bill walsh coached stanford after he coached the niners people are like he would never take that step back well bill bill walsh coached stanford and he was the the niners vice president of player personnel um after he won three championships Um, Sid Gilman is the father of the forward pass. It didn't stop Sid Gilman from being the Eagles quarterback coach in 1981. Sid Gilman was coaching Steve Young in the USFL. This is the great Sid Gilman. So, I mean,
1: Walsh had had several like near nervous breakdowns that almost ran him out of San Francisco before he ultimately left. I mean, Walsh was
0: in his own category, well, but then there's,
1: got, you know, and it was also very geographically convenient.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I, I'll just say this Christmas night. I'm standing in line at, in, at the press box for a, uh, hot dog or whatever. The guy standing next to me in the line was, um, Ozzie Newsome. And it's like, well, what are you doing here? You're not the GM of the team anymore. No, I'm not. Eric DaCosta is the general manager, but I'm just a personnel consultant with the Ravens. And it's like, it's not like he's got a nothing job. I'm sure he's got a significant job, and I'm sure they even listen to him quite a bit because he's Aussie Newsom. Um, I just think that it could happen if if uh, if they if Jed would pay the money, and I think he would, and if. Bill you know, it really depends what Bill wants. I don't think Bill seems like the kind of guy that wants that I'm hanging out in Carolina, cashing checks, just winning a few more games so I can put myself at the top of the heap. I think it's I think he's much more about let me do something significant and winning a championship with the Niners I think would be considered more significant.
1: That's a great point. Did you see the video I did about Rex Ryan? Or, or did you see Rex Ryan's quotes?
0: I, I saw that you talked about it, but I haven't seen the video yet.
1: Did you see what Rex said on Sunday? On Sunday, for people who didn't see, Rex said that he had called Mike McCarthy. He said, it's the first time I've ever called a coach to say I'm interested in the job. He's been out of the game seven years. But he called Mike McCarthy to tell him he was interested in being the Cowboys defensive coordinator. And what he said was, I'm not coming back to coach any defense but I'll come back to coach a Super Bowl defense. Like, that team is close. I can help put them over the top. They're the Cowboys. He basically said without saying it, hey, guys, I'm not coming back to coach the Vikings. I'm not coming back to coach the Cardinals. I'm not coming back to coach the Texans, or the right. Browns. But for the Cowboys, ah, I can be convinced. And uh, And my take was, Nobody is the Cowboys, but the Niners are pretty damn close, right? This is a guy who's not going to leave the bright lights, the cushy job of television in New York for any job, but he'd leave for Dallas. And I think what you just said about the Niners and bill is in the same vein. Like bill wants to coach ball, but probably not, you know, in Pittsburgh with all due respect to the Steelers. They're, they're a major franchise, but that's not where bill wants to go coach. I don't think, um, I think Bill's probably got, he wouldn't say it the way that Rex did because Rex is a little bombastic about it. You know, he wants you to know that he would only do it for the bright lights. Bill doesn't need to tell you that. But I, I think you're right. You know, Bill at this point, all the big games he's coached in, he's like a gambler who gambles a lot of money. And a $5 hand doesn't do anything, doesn't give him any juice. And coaching most of the teams in the league would be a $5 hand for him coaching the 49ers with Nick Bosa and Fred Warner and Kyle Shanahan and helping Kyle Shanahan win the Super Bowl. That's a big hand, you know, so I, I, I didn't thought I hadn't thought about it that way until you said it. I think it's a great point. And I think it's the same thing Rex Ryan said on Sunday.
0: Um, Brandon, Iuke, what's your feeling on Iuke? Um, caught three balls for 49 yards in the, in the game. And I, you know, it's, it's, there's been, like, kind of a lot of smoke around Iyuk uh, as far as, you know, he's under contract for 2020, 2024 already. Uh, John Lynch said the Niners are extremely prideful in what he's become as a player. He said, Lynch said, of course you want a guy like Brandon Iyuk to be part of you moving forward. He's technically under contract this year. The Niners exercised the fifth-year option. It'll be the final year of his rookie deal. He was asked... Um, you know, what he'd remember the most about the Niners roster this past season, he said, after a long pause, guys that came into work to be champions every single day, he got very emotional at his locker talking about his teammates and, um, and, you know, he he, he was asked what what was the hardest part of the postseason, um, you know, that he had just experienced, he shook his head and turned around and said, that's all I got. Um, there was also some quotes from his brother saying that, um, that he'd like to be elsewhere. You know, that, that, you know, that is like, this is how you treat, um, you know, this is how you treat a receiver. I forget how the exact quote, but you know, 1300 yard receiver, he gets three targets in the game. um, that's why, you know, he said something about going to Vegas and, you know, maybe suggested maybe playing for the Raiders. Um, I know everything's fresh and everything. And, you know, it's on social media. It's like, Ayuk, his brother and his girlfriend all have made it seem like he's a goner um, that, you know, and then he put out, don't forget what got you there with an, with the eye emoji and then his brother put out, this is the exact reason we leaving San Francisco. Thank you, 49ers, for drafting my brother. We are forever grateful. B.A. to Vegas. And then it says, why does your all-pro 1,300-yard receiver have three catches in the Super Bowl? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird. Um, do, then there's the question of, do the 49ers want to have two wide receivers on a team that throws the ball has, is 32nd in the NFL in passing attempts. Do you want two wide receivers making over 50 million dollars of your cap? You know, and and so the I don't know. I mean, what what do you think? What's Ayuk's future? There's also a story out today. Um, Nathaniel Marrero is is speculating that Ayuk could be headed to the Commanders. He said this is I Brandon Ayuk is a name to keep an eye on this off season. Um, he's entering the final year of his rookie contract. His cap hit will jump to 14 million. He was at, Ayuk was asked if he wants to return. He said, if that's the right move. And, you know, then he basically grew his statement to say, well, you know, if we can win a championship, uh, now the commanders have Adam Peters. Ayuk's only 25. The commanders do have, uh, the, they've got the most cap space in the NFL with over 80 million. They also have six picks in the top one Oh two. They could put a very nice trade offer involving draft picks in front of the 49ers. What do you think? What's your guess? Is Ayuk you going to be here or are they going to trade him? I think he's back,
1: but also remember last year it was very, remember before the draft, he he, he like the last fifth year option picked up, which if you had said at the beginning of the off season, rank the most obvious fifth year option guys, Ayuk would have been on tier one, like the most obvious fifth-year option guys. And remember, he tweeted like that Friday morning of the draft that his phone rang. He's like, oh, my heart jumped. He thought he was getting traded. He thought he was out. And it was weird. Like, why aren't they picking up his fifth-year option? What is going on? So you have to believe that they thought about it last year. Um, And I do think you have to be open to the possibility that one of these guys, that somebody's gone, right? That's just generally how things eventually have to happen once upon a time DeForest Buckner was gone and Kyle Shanahan said yesterday, Oh, we could have kept him, but it just would have meant, you know, other people not being here, potentially I, I Uke actually being one of them. Um, but I don't put a lot of stock in what's happened the last few days. Now I think it's, it, it's definitely possible that they trade him because they need help, right? They need, how, how are you, if you're drafting 31, how are you going to get the help you need on the interior line? You're going to have to replace one of these receivers eventually. It doesn't look like Danny Gray or Ronnie Bell are trending into that direction. Now, maybe it's too early to tell on Ronnie, but I don't know what you think. I don't think it's trending in the direction that it doesn't feel like they You know, they, they went from Kendrick Bourne to Juwan Jennings. It doesn't feel like they got the next guy in line on this roster. I don't think. That's my read on those two guys after two years of Danny Gray and one year of Ronnie Bell. Maybe that's incorrect. Maybe there's not enough data. Um, what
0: would I, you even, What would you want in return? for Ayuk. I mean well, he's one of the best him. receivers in the, in the game. I mean, you're if let's just say it was the Commanders, you're not getting their their first round pick, right? That's the second pick in the draft. Okay, right. so they that but they do have pick 36, pick 40. So they have two picks in the top 40. They also have the third pick of the third round, 67, and then they pick at the last pick of the third round, 100. I mean, in some ways, I might want all four of those picks. I mean, yeah. if I'm not getting a first-round pick, I'm going to trade you Brandon Ayuk at age 25, and you're going to have one of the NFL's best wide receivers at age 25. It's There's hard. no way I'm making that trade unless I'm getting both those twos and at least one of those threes, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, because you, to me, if you're going to do that deal, you're doing it because you want to replace him with a blue-chip red in another position. And so when you need to get back into the f- – into the middle of the first round. So you need enough ammo to get back into the middle of the first round and still have another pick left over for yourself, right?
0: I mean, he's he's one of the better receivers in football. This guy's had back-to-back seasons with at least 75 catches, 1,000 yards, and seven touchdowns.
1: And And he's your guy. And I do think so much of what Brock does, the Niners don't have a deep threat receiver, right? Debo, you and I have been talking about this since training camp none of the guys really separate over the top. So when you throw it to Debo and McDuffie down the middle, of the, down the seam into the end zone, like he just – he doesn't win that route ever. Um, but I, I, I do think Brock could throw it if he had that type of guy. So maybe ultimately that's the type of receiver you you, you want. Um, but I think if you want like a bl- another blue-chip offensive lineman, not only to help this team but to help set up what comes after Trent Williams, then you need to be in the middle of the first round. And to do that, you're going to need – you're going to need at least – I think you need three picks if they're going to be – if none of them are a first-rounder, and then you use your first and a second to move up or your first and a second and a third to move up, and you still have the second because you also lack depth, um, right? The fact that Drake Jackson hasn't hit really hurts this team right now. Maybe he'll develop. The fact that D'Amador Lenore did hit helps this team. Um, Hufunga coming back helps them. But, yeah, Larry, I think you need – I think it's very possible. That he's traded. I, my initial point, though, is I don't think anything that got said on social media the last three days has any bearing on what happens next. Um, this is this is child's play compared to what the, the Debo situation. And I think they like Ayuk as a guy. They love Ayuk as a guy. He's everything they want. So, you know, I at this point i i I still tend to think he'll be back. You know, it's a weird one
0: though because they did. You know, Jawan Ju- Jennings is. You know, I thought almost for sure slated to leave, right? You know, just because you have Debo, you want Iuke, you're not going to pay Iuke, Debo, and Jennings, most likely. And Jennings had a great play- playoff run and a great Super Bowl, and, um, you know, he's he's a key cog. So, I mean... Do you let Jennings go? Would you? Would you? Because Jennings isn't going to fetch anything in free agency. You can't trade Jennings. You could trade IUK. Um
1: And then, and then you're saying, and then Jennings costs a fraction of what Ayuk cost. That's where you sign,
0: right? I mean, and you got, you know, here's the other thing. For me, in this draft, just looking, just peeking ahead to the draft, I really, really like uh, St- Stephen Rice from uh, SC. Jerry's kid who's 6'4", uh, runs pretty well, but has great route running, hands, um, catch it in a crowd. I mean, I really think he's going to be a very good NFL receiver. I don't not, know if he's going to be.
1: Um, not Steven. His name's not Steven.
0: It's not? No. Stefan?
1: I don't think so. No, why am I blank all Brandon. Right? Brandon. Brandon. Brandon Rice.
0: Brandon. Yeah, Brandon Rice. That's right. Yeah, Brendan, Brandon Brendan. Rice. I really like Brent. Brendan yeah. Rice. Brendan Rice. Um, he's the
1: Super Bowl on behalf of uh, Breathe Right.
0: He's the guy. He's he's six four. He plays the game with tremendous urgency. You can see he's got great hands. He, return- he does. He's a lo- good
1: returner. He's a good kickoff returner.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's not a burner. I don't know what he's going to run, but my eyes tell me he's going to run like, you know, maybe four four nine, maybe five five one five one. Well, you know, four five one, four five two, something. He's somewhere in the high four fours, low four fives. He blocks. Yeah, and he and he's big, and he and he, he plays with urgency. I'd like to have him. Um, Christian said he'd love to play with Luke. Luke McCaffrey, I think you know, was a had a really nice year this year at Rice as a re, as a receiver. He used to be a quarterback, so it was his first year. He played. He was all conference. Yeah, we'll see how he runs, but I think he's a day three pick. So I'm just saying there are some receivers. It's a good receiver draft. It has been. It seems like every year for the last three or four, there's just a lot of receivers coming out of the college game right now. Um, which is why
1: you don't get first rounders for him,
0: right? Right. So which that that's that's where you know if the Raiders were offering the 13th pick and you could turn around and get, you know, to me the 49ers. You know, if you say, well, what what's the Niners plan in the draft? I would say in an ideal world, they either wind up with Taliesi Fuaga, the big offensive tackle from Oregon State, or J.C. Latham, the big offensive tackle from Alabama, who who's basically a right tackle. He's 6'6", 335. He's, a, he's just a total monster. It's a good year for tackle. Tyler Guyton, maybe from Oklahoma, and Marius Mims from Georgia, a couple other guys. But I think if in an ideal world, they would get up into the mid-first round, and get one of those plug-and-play right tackles. Latham and Fuaga, I think, fit the bill. Fuaga 6'6", 325, nasty run blocker, really, really tough. And then Latham, 6'6", 335, and just looks kind of lean at that size. I mean, he's just a total blue chipper. Um, And he's a right tackle guy, so you could plug him in immediately day one. He's your starter at right tackle, maybe for the next decade. Both those guys are I think what they want. Um the Raiders do pick thirteenth, so if you could somehow get that thirteenth pick, you could probably have your pick of those two guys. Um but I you know, I think I'd want more. I think I'd want more than that. I, I want Michael Mayer or I want a third round pick or something like that. I want something more than just the thirteenth pick if I'm uh if I'm sending Iuk to the Raiders.
1: Okay, I got a question for you. Unrelated to Can we can I ask you? Can we go to yeah. something else? Yeah. Did you watch JTO Sullivan's breakdown of the game?
0: I haven't yet. Is it really good?
1: It's a lot of him pointing out areas where he didn't think Debo gave great effort.
0: I don't think Debo was anywhere close to 100%. I think his shoulder was bad. I think he had a couple different injuries late in the year. But... On what that one low pass that he that he, that he didn't yeah, the really low make pass,
1: him. He thought he was jogging. He thought he gave up on a couple of routes. Um, it was it was a lot. It turned into a lot of Debo, a lot of Brock footwork, and a lot of Debo.
0: I mean, I'll say this: I mean, JT's Smart, and he's probably right. And I without without seeing it, I would say if he's pointing out that Debo didn't compete in a couple of areas. He's probably right. I wouldn't give Debo the total pass, but uh, at the same time, I I will acknowledge that there's no doubt he wasn't
1: 100%. When did Debo go down with that grabbing his hamstring? That was after Drake Greenlaw, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So he played through that, but then he also had a shoulder fracture early in the year. He had another shoulder injury that caused him a lot of pain that caused him to leave the Green Bay game i may he may have been playing with a torn rotator cuff um you know i don't know i, I what do you think well are you saying that you uh, you know i think in an ideal world if they could they would find a trade option for debo and keep ayuk but i don't if that know that if that's... What, what i'm
1: getting at is if they had to pick if if kittle debo ayuk armstead um whom i missing who would be in the group, like Bosa and McCaffrey are un- untouchable, right? But in like the group of really good key players that are also expensive, if I said somebody is gone this offseason, who would you who would you either say it should be or guess that it will be? Would it be Ayuk just given his value on the open market?
0: Like it's yeah. not going to
1: be Warner, it's not going to be Bosa, it's not going to be McCaffrey, right?
0: Yeah, no, those guys aren't going anywhere. Um, I could on the untouchable list. I think so. Okay. I think so. Juice. I mean, you know, I thought Jack Coletto was um, an idea of draft Coletto, develop him this year, and move off a of juice. But then they had had to move off of Coletto because of a roster thing, yeah, and
1: he wasn't going to be. I, I watched him in college. Good player, Swiss Army knife. We've seen not in the post not the same season, athlete the level of athlete that Kyle Juszczyk is catching the football. It's for as much as Kyle likes putting the fullback out in routes, like that's not you just that's not him. You're not. It's going to be really hard to replace. I don't think he's going anywhere.
0: Yeah, but he makes an awful lot of money, and he, and he's kind of a luxury item. Um,
1: but I don't know if he is a luxury item, Larry. The way they use him so much in so many different ways
0: you know just look at the the sheer number of care you're right though i mean he's a jack of all trades i mean i don't even know how you'd replace him because there really aren't that many guys who do the things that he does on a football field you'd almost have to develop some guy maybe some tight end that you think is too short um you know it, it would almost have to be somebody cuz i mean look at the, what are you going to you're going to develop a halfback into doing what he does i don't know Ooh, uh, like, there aren't a like lot of 35 fullbacks. year
1: old McCaffrey becomes a fullback
0: or yeah. I mean, I was thinking of like, you know, um, signing uh, like a, like a tight end, like Noah Fant, you know, from Seattle. Yeah. Noah Fant is an Iowa tight end. He's a little on the, sh- on the short side, but he's a, he does a lot of, a lot of things pretty well. He's a pretty good underrated athlete. You might be able to sign a guy like that. Who's been kind of ordinary at tight end for a reasonable figure and then play them at fullback.
1: I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's not juice out of that list, but you're saying it could
0: be juice you think it could be juice out of that I think list. it could be juice. I think it could be juice. Um let me ask you this the Niners have eighteen free agents. Eighteen unrestricted free agents. And one of the things that I think has been so great about the 49ers the last couple of years is how they play their hand of cards in free agency. Now people would say, well what are you talking about? They lost Charles Amenihou and Samson Ebucom and and um you know Aziz Al Shair this year and Mosley and Ward and you know th- there's just been this exodus. Yeah, but I like the, the game plan of letting most of your rank and file free agents walk. Sign one great player that you think's a true difference maker in the free agent market. Take all those extra compensatory picks that you get for losing a bunch of free agents. and keep drafting, you know day three guys and, and signing guys after the draft and uh, instead of picking through veterans in the free agent market and having all these different cultures from different clubs in your locker room, Um, as far as how things are done and, you know, instead of having a bunch of guys who are like, you know, in Tampa, we did it this way in Tennessee, we did it this way. Let all those guys walk. Don't sign a bunch of free agents and then just go in the draft and after the draft and, and, uh, add 15, 20 guys to your team. That way, you're always going to have a young developmental roster, but you're also, I think going to probably be healthier and cheaper. Um, that being said. I'll give you the eighteen names. Give me one or two guys that you say I want them back. Okay. Um, these are just unrestricted. So restricted wise, there's Juwan Jennings and Ben Barch, and I could see both those guys being back. But I could also see uh, Jennings moving on if um, if they, you know, if there's some team came calling for Jennings, I could see them trading Jennings. But then there's also Randy Gregory, no. Chase Young, no, Sam Darnold. Yeah, but you think he's, you think he's back?
1: I don't think they'll be able to afford him.
0: Yeah. I don't either. I would say no to Gregory, no to chase young, no to Darnold. Javon Kinlaw.
1: Yeah, actually.
0: I could see him back as well because he loves Armstead and Armstead's going to be back.
1: I don't think it'll be expensive.
0: Tayshawn Gibson.
1: Actually. Yes. Really? he's your third safety, if it's, can Jair Brown and Talano Hufunga play together next year?
0: You know, this is the one too. I was thinking, if you said to me, "Give me one free agent that you could see the night if they could, if they could get Belichick to come and to be the be, be the DC," Kyle Duggar is a free agent, and he. Oh, okay. I would take Kyle Duggar in a heartbeat, and okay, that so let's as put
1: Gibson in the no category then.
0: Yeah, if I could get Kyle Duggar, that might be the key. Belichick and Kyle Duggar might be the key that they need to kind of redo the back end. Um, Sebastian Joseph Day. No. No, I think I agree. I think he's gone. Oren Burks.
1: Uh, I'll put him in the maybe bucket.
0: I'll say no, just because you got D. Winters and Jalen Graham sitting right there. Um, Cleveland Farrell. Yes.
1: Although they usually
0: don't re-sign this guy, right? I know. I I I would say yes too.
1: Edge guy is the guy they rotate out and pick somebody new. But coming off the injury, he's gonna be. I don't think he. He shouldn't cost them much, right?
0: He had the lowest pressure percentage of his career this season. Um, But you know, the one thing about him is he plays so damn hard, and he does make plays against the run. He does. You know, he's there's some good things that he contributes. Um,
1: I think what you'd like, Larry, is to not have him be your starting. Edge opposite of Bosa. And in that role, I think he's a good player. I think he's a good value.
0: Yeah. Now, how about John Feliciano? He's 32.
1: Well, I mean, we're, how are you going to upgrade offensive line if you're going to draft a tackle? I, I I don't think we should continue the rotation at guard for the third year in a row. But I think Feliciano was good for them. So I would say yes to Feliciano.
0: I was looking at um, some of the free agents that are of interest, you know, just seeing, looking what's out there. And one of the guys that I really like is, or two of the guys I really like are guards. Uh, Sadiq Charles from Washington, really like him. Uh, Kevin Dotson from the Rams, I really like him. Damian Lewis from Seattle, the former LSU um, offensive guard, I really like him. So there's there's two or three guys there that are that are pretty intriguing. I don't know. I would say draft a tackle and sign a guard, something like that. Um, okay, how about a couple more here? Kevin Givens. Um, He's twenty eight. I could see somebody overpaying him. It seems like in free agency, overpay uh, young youngish linemen on winning teams seemingly get overpaid i could see somebody saying here here's two years and 10 million come here
1: yeah well they're not going to do that then
0: yeah uh ray ray mcleod
1: that's I like to me if you draft a receiver then ray ray mcleod is gone yeah i think he's especially if, if that guy returns
0: demetrius flanagan fouls
1: um well, I mean you're probably are you keeping him and Burks? I said you said no to Burks, so does yeah does uh, Foles fouls come
0: back? I'd say Fowls comes back and Burks leaves. Yeah. That that'd be my guess. Ross Dwelly.
1: Um,
0: you got Cam Latu and Braden yeah, Willis I, still there.
1: I, I don't I Latu before he got hurt, Latu did not look like he was on his way to contributing. So no. I would not make that a consideration. Willis is another, you know, they've done a good job with seventh rounders. I know he had the hold in the Super Bowl in a critical spot. I talked to him last week in Vegas. He's a sharp guy. Um, he actually told me, he's like, yeah, you know, there were a lot of similarities in the Oklahoma and the Iowa run games, which shock. I don't, I've never heard anyone get into that discussion, but I don't think, you know, you, you, at some point you need the tight end. That's going to replace Kittle. They don't have that yet. Um, it's not Dwelly. So I don't know. I, I, I would say probably he keeps coming back though.
0: But I would he, say he knows, I mean, he knows the system. Um I'm not sure if you know if they moved off of juice, maybe they keep Dwelly as like a backup tight end who can play some fullback. Um but other than that, I think Dwelly's probably gone. Uh how about Brandon Allen? He's thirty one, he's making one point two million.
1: Yeah, I mean, for a third quarterback, that's a lot of money now. Is Darnold if Darnold's gone, do you elevate Brandon Allen to your number two quarterback? Do you get somebody else? Do you draft a quarterback in the fifth round and make him your third quarterback and elevate Brandon Allen? I could see Brandon Allen being back. I mean, I also could see there being like 10 places for Brandon Allen, right? He's played who's he played for? He's played for Sean McVay, he's played for Zach Taylor, and he's played for Kyle Shanahan. So a third of the league could plug and play Brandon Allen. As one of the quarterbacks in their QB room, he's a high level guy. Um, but I could see him being back just because I think Darnold's going to be too expensive to keep around. So, you know, what do you do? You got to save money somewhere. Do if you want didn't...
0: that much turnover in your quarterback room? I, I, think, point too. I think, I think Allen stays and Darnold leaves. Yeah, that'd be my guess. How about a... Allen
1: stay as the number two?
0: I, I think, well, it depends if you, um, You know, I was saying, you know, maybe look at somebody like Zach Wilson or somebody like that, who's, who, you know, I know Shanahan liked coming out, um, who is desperate now to go somewhere and, and you know, be cleansed. Um, I don't
1: know if you want to be the one cleansing Zach Wilson. (laughs) I know. Well, that's that's true. I don't know if you want that. Like, there's also Davis
0: Mills. You could, you know, you want Justin Fields. I mean, there's other, there's other young quarterbacks who have busted.
1: I think Mills, I could see Kyle liking Mills. He's accurate. And he's, he's big and strong, too. He's fast.
0: Yeah, Davis Mills. Davis Mills, Mills would be a
1: nice little project.
0: Yeah, I'd take Davis Mills, and in that case, I want Brandon Allen as my number three. But if I get Sam Hartman you know, out of Notre Dame in the fifth round or something like that, maybe I want Brandon Allen as my number two and Sam Hartman as my number three.
1: I could see him drafting I I don't think it's out of the realm that he drafts a quarterback.
0: Yeah. Um Chris Conley.
1: I yes.
0: He looked good in the Super
1: Bowl, didn't he? He looked so good in the Super Bowl Larry. His yeah. special teams play was and he's another you talk have you talked to Chris high level guy, really high level guy. Um Air Force kid. Uh and just was excellent on special teams.
0: Big and fast. Uh what an athlete he is. And ready, like ready yeah. to play. Yeah. No, I, I, Conley, I would have definitely have coming back. Logan Ryan, I would say no. Yep. I think this is at the end for him. Matt Pryor, I'd say no. Last one is uh, Charlie Warner. What do you think? Charlie Warner, he's really an excellent blocker. He's a major special teamer. He's on
1: special teams. Yeah. I
0: would, back. I, I would bring him back. I would bring him back. He only made he made $869,000. So it's not like he's a big uh, ticket item. So basically, who I have back, I'd have Warner, Chris Conley, Brandon Allen, for those three for sure, Cleveland Farrell, and oh, maybe Flanagan Javon Fouls. Flanagan Fowles, and maybe Javon Kinlaw. The rest of those guys. So Chase Young. And Randy Gregory, I mean, you're just gonna have to find better pass rushers in the draft or in free agency. Um, but Are you I know holding both out hope
1: on Drake Jackson.
0: I am holding out hope on Drake Jackson because I really like Drake Jackson. I also think that, you know, there's some some real talent there, but he needs to get stronger. I mean that's the one thing that's really apparent is that he just needs overall to get stronger at as a player in the upper body um, you know, it's like he he's he's a little bit he seems like a little bit of a developmental plan, but um there's some there's some really good things about him. What what do you think? I mean, you watched him a little bit in college too at SC.
1: You know, I thought coming out of year 1 or like halfway through year 1, things looked really promising. I didn't think this year things looked as promising as you'd hoped. He tailed off in the at the end of last year. So you know, we thought him coming to the NFL would provide the stability that he didn't have at USC, and it's factual he didn't have any stability at, at USC. Um, but even though he's got the stability in terms of he's on this team, his career has not does has not stabilized. It's not all his fault. You know, um, college didn't prepare him for, for from a fitness standpoint for his rookie year, and then he got hurt this year. So it's not all his fault. But I would. You know, I I think the goal for Drake Jackson in twenty twenty four will be not become the pass rusher on the other side of Bosa. At this point, that's gravy. I think the goal for him is be a good depth pass rusher for 17 weeks or for 15 weeks or whatever it is. Get the you know, get the third most snaps for an edge guy on the defensive line. Like that would be my goal for Drake Jackson in twenty twenty four. Can he be third in snap count among the edge rushers?
0: Um, Anthony Lynn going to the Commanders, does that move the needle at all? How much of a concern is that?
1: Um, it moves the needle, like for sure. I mean, this guy was a – this is an experienced coach on a coaching staff that has had a lot of continuity, so it absolutely moves the needle, but it's also par for the course. I mean, if you had a good year every year, you're losing coaches, so no biggie there. It does hit, hurt a little bit in my theory that Danton Lynn, his son – would be a good uh, coordinator match. It'd be a risky one to go hire a college coordinator. He was UCLA's defensive coordinator last year. He was hired this offseason by USC away from UCLA, but he'd coached uh, with the Ravens. He'd been in Baltimore. I think you'd be – you're not buying low on him from a college standpoint, but you'd be buying early on Danton Lynn from an NFL standpoint, trying to get him before – trying to get like a young star before somebody else does. Kyle would have to study the UCLA – the UCLA defense and see if he likes it, but um, you know, with Anthony around, I thought maybe that would be uh, that would be a fit. But now that he's gone, it maybe becomes a little bit less of a fit. But otherwise, I, you know, it's good to have high level coaches around. Kyle Anthony Lynn was a high level guy.
0: Yeah, no, a really good, really really solid guy too. Uh, football, you know, X Niner player, very popular coach. All right, let's hit the supers and then we'll bolt for the door here. We I got, got a this- haircut, Larry. Look at you! really look at you! No, that I got to go get one. Oh, you do? What time? Uh 11. You you got uh, 10 minutes to roll through yep. these? Yep. All right, here we go. 69er says analysis of Brandon Rice, he looks phenomenal. I just think that he plays the game with the same urgency that his dad did. That's what I notice. He's a little bit, bit taller, uh, not quite the athlete, but he, he there's a, there's a seriousness. I mean, this guy's all business on the football field. So, that's what I like about him.
1: I like him. I think he, tra- I think his sometimes guys who aren't exceptionally fast just translate at the same speed. And because of his physicality, I could see him translating. He was a guy that played early at Colorado um, and showed a willingness to be physical early at Colorado. Uh, raised, you know, mostly by his mom when he was young. And I think him and Jerry have become closer in the last few years. And um, he seems to have embraced it. They did a breathe right uh campaign during the college football season i've talked to him a couple times uh i've talked to his coaches before i know they like him and um i watched him he moved around radio row and and looked pretty comfortable you know but wasn't out there just waving me me look at me look at me so i thought he handled himself in in a unique situation pretty well colorado and usc um uh but uh yeah i like the guy i you know i part of me would hope if he became a niner that his name wasn't rice because it would it would maybe create a little um pressure a little difficulty yeah. for him but but I you know I uh, he seems like the guy that could handle it I, I think he could handle it and the beauty is we you know we're not talking about a first or second round player here so um, right you know that's that that makes that easier
0: and a, he's a good player in his own right so it's not like it's just like yeah, I think Frank Gore's player. kid yeah, he's a different player for sure. He's more of a possession guy, but I, I really like him. Monahan says, when uh, Brock stepped off the field for his last play during the regular time and overtime, his team was winning. That defense was smothering. He passed the test. He isn't Montana, but he is the dude. Uh, I would agree. Elite Archer says, in the words of uh, DB, what a special time to be alive. Tell me again how great Kyle is. Uh, that is awesome. Um, that's a Damon
1: Bruce quote. Is that what that was? Yeah,
0: I guess. G Gala says the last half of the four of the fourth quarter in overtime is what put Wilkes er or, put Wilkes early on. Uh, if Sala gets fired, does Kyle bring him back? He's not going to get fired. Do you guys like that idea or someone different? I, yeah, I'd be fine with Salah coming back, but I don't think Salah's getting fired. I think Salah's get another year. Not yet. Charlie Sinclair, does Kyle force the wide nine on Rex or Bill? That that would be interesting. I would say no. I, well, <laughs> I would
1: say, but, but but Chris Kasaric is a non-negotiable.
0: You're gonna have Chris Coseric as your defensive line coach. I, I think you know if you have Belichick, he's all about DBs. He's all about coverage, and that's where you need improvement anyway. Uh, Niner West is time to let the wide nine go time to get a veteran defensive coach time for Kyle to get an OC enough. Kyle needs to be around when needs to be around winners. He shouldn't be the smartest in the room. Um, okay. Okay. Matthew rally. Is there any truth to the rumor that Shanahan was heavily involved in the defensive game plan for the Super Bowl Much more than normal. Wilkes better be gone. I don't know. I don't know about that. Did you hear anything?
1: I, I not heard that, but. But, uh, you know, there was a point in time where it seemed like Kyle was a little more involved than he normally would be right after they did the after their losing streak. But I don't I don't know about last last week or the week before, but he was definitely involved. I mean, the way he acted at the end of the game, you know, he got involved then.
0: Yeah. Um, He
1: had an opinion on what should work against Kansas City's offense. No
0: doubt, black and white sports 2 says call Pete Carroll, hire him as a defensive coordinator and assistant head coach. You get the Seattle three D, uh, back in that back back in that Salah ran. You get Super Bowl big game experience. He gets to whip Seattle twice. He's clearly mad at them. I don't know. I didn't take that so Pete, away.
1: You know, I I love Pete. I'm a big I'm pro Pete Carroll. I'm a Pete Carroll fan. He was you know never really the he was not the defensive play caller. I think of the three guys we talk about that are big names: Vrabel, Balichek, and Pete. Pete's the least likely to be interested in being somebody else's assistant. As I think right. most people would assume, Bill would be the least likely. But I think um, knowing people around Pete, I had on the show last week, Dr. Michael Gervais, who was Pete's high performance psychologist when they won the Super Bowl and was around Pete Carroll for a long time. Reading, watching, I watched Pete. Go watch Pete's press conference at the end. This, you know, when when they announced he was leaving. He really loves being in charge of the organization, not just for the ego and the power, but I think he feels like that's where he can most impact people and a team is by being the leader, setting the culture, that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, that might be Vrabel's thing too. Vrabel's only a DC for one year, but uh, I think Pete would be the least likely guy to say, I'll just go be a DC. I think he prefers to be the guy talking to the offense, talking to the defense, talking to everybody. Making sure that they're thinking about how we're we going to motivate. I think that's what Pete's preference.
0: Isn't Pete already agreed to kind of stay in Seattle?
1: Well, uh, that's what they said when when they put out the announcement. But if you watch his press conference, it's really clear that that was just lip service. And oh, okay. it's like, well, yeah, we'll give you a paycheck if you don't find something else, just to make it sound good. But I didn't get the you don't get the impression watching that that Pete that that's what Pete wants to do is mm. to just hang around Seattle and be available if John Schneider needs a
0: I hear you. 69ers, would you trade Ayuk to New York for Saquon Barkley? No, 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 I would not. Uh, the Real Goat says, can these Weiner fans hold the brakes on fire, Kyle? Be grateful what you have before it's gone. I kind of agree with that. Chuck says he's become a YouTube member. Thank you, Chuck. Charlie Sinclair, would you trade for Joey Bosa? What no. do you think, Guy? It's very expensive. Yep. No. Chuck says, Larry, you're the best 49er content creator in the business. You have a gift for breaking down the game. Thank you for people who blame Shanahan. Is it his fault? CMC and Ray Ray fumbled. Uh, no, it's not. A, it B, was like the
1: four, McCaffrey was breathing pretty heavy, but he always is. That's the It yeah. was early in the game.
0: A, uh, ABC Patriot signed Dom Desandro. If the Niners face the Chiefs again, he might get Kelsey or Mahomes kicked out. Well, there you go. I like that. And the uh, Shim South jurors. Uh, what is needed? What is needed is improved O line players and a defense situational blitzing during second and third and longs. Yeah. Well. They definitely need to me. If you look at the Niners, there's no doubt it's O line, right tackle. Got to have somebody. You Got to have maybe one or two more, you know, young O linemen in the pipeline. And then defensive line. It's a lot of defensive line. I think it's a little bit of a coordination on the defensive backfield side, which is why I think Belichick makes sense. But uh, that's what I'm looking at. Guy, what do you got?
1: To do it here, you also need a linebacker, Trey Greenlaw. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause he's not going to play, that
1: re- you know, that really like all the stuff, losing the game, you can get over, but next year when the season starts and Drake and not there, that really hurts. No doubt. And who knows what he'll, if he'll ever come back at, you know, full strength.
0: Outside of a haircut, what else do you have cooking the rest of the day?
1: Uh, great question, Larry. I've got, I got to organize my life a little bit the week in Vegas. Uh, I got a little behind <laughs> on that. <laughs> I got some things to do around here, but, uh, and then, uh, right now I'm just, you know, we've got a little momentum coming off the football season. So I'm, I'm going to, looks like you're doing the same. We haven't really had a chance to talk, but just kind of stream tomorrow morning and, and just, you know, kind of keep that going. So that's what's going on right now.
0: Yeah. Seriously. You guys put out great content, man. And I look forward to watching it throughout the off season. And, and thanks for jumping in. Thanks to our sponsors for being our sponsors. Thanks to all you guys for being involved um and thanks for all the super chats and all the kind words and all that. Have a great day, everybody. Peace. Light up as careful. Careful. You won't get exactly what you asked for.